Good morning, Charles River, Grace City, Christ Church, Charlestown. My name is Jua Robinson, and I'm one of the elders at Charles River Church, and I want to welcome you here today. Uh, we're here uh, having our Hidden Figure series, really having conversations about uh, folks in the Old Testament whose stories may not often get told. And so today I have uh, the privilege of being before you. Uh, if you've never met me before, hopefully at some point uh, we can give each other a fist bump or a hug sometime later in the future uh, once uh, the pandemic has been lifted. You know, one of the things that, um, that I really was processing before even preparing today was really thinking about what to communicate to you, uh, recognizing that for many of us, we've, uh, we're either experiencing hurt or we know others close to us who are experiencing hurt, and we're really trying to process what to do with it. So whether it be through job loss, uh, through uh, the uncertainty of kids going back to school, um, even for some of us, we've, we've lost family. And so what does it look like to even trust God in the midst of that? And so today, I'm not gonna be before you too long, but I will say this, if you don't remember anything else that I share with you today, remember this, within hardship, do not stop seeking the heart of God. Within hardship, do not stop seeking the heart of God. And so today we're gonna read from 1 Kings chapter 12. And this has been one of my, one of my, my favorite uh, stories in the Old Testament because there are so many lessons today I wish I had enough time to teach all of them, but, but it's just such an amazing story to me. So 1 Kings chapter 12, um, you, you'll be able to see it here on the, on the screen as well. But in the situation here, we, we have um, a young man who's now being uh, put into the position of being king of Israel. Uh, his grandfather was a very famous man, one that, that we hear so many stories about, King David, son King Solomon, and now uh, his grandson, David's grandson, King Rehoboam. So let's look at the text starting in verse 1. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to do what? To make him king. And I don't know about you, but there are places in, in our lives that really mean something special to us. Um, and I know for you, you probably have some of those moments in, in your life or some of those places in your life as well, or even in the lives of your family. So for my wife and I, one of our favorite places is Aruba, because that's where we, we, we went for our first honeymoon. You know, for others, it may be a specific uh, a mountaintop, it may be a beach, it may be a specific city, uh, maybe high school, maybe because we married our, our high school sweethearts, but we all have that place. For Israel, Shechem was a place of importance for them. It was important for many different reasons. One reason it was because from a militaristic perspective, it was somewhat in the middle of Israel. And there was a road that kind of went through it that, that actually uh, helped the north to the south to, for, for folks to be able to travel. Now, additionally, it was the place where Yahweh first appeared to Abraham and promised to give him all of Canaan. But then also, one of, my, one of my other favorite passages of Scripture, Joshua 24, when, when Joshua challenged the Israelites about their faithfulness to God, this was the place where they dedicated themselves to actually obeying the Mosaic law. And so in Joshua 24, verse, verse 15 is a verse that 
that many of us have quoted, uh, many of us may have it printed somewhere in our houses, that, that verse when, when, when Joshua says, as for me in my house, we will do what? We will worship the Lord. And so it was there where in Shechem where this proclamation was actually made. And so for the, for the people of Israel, uh, Shechem was, was very important to them because it reminded Israel of their divine revealed destiny as a nation of God's faithfulness. So you can imagine the excitement of the Israelites and actually going to Shechem to now pronounce Rehoboam as king. Verse two, and as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was still in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt. We're going to talk about that in a second. Verse three, and then, and they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the assembly came and said to Rehoboam, your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. Man, they made one request of him. They didn't say anything negative about, about uh, Solomon. They just said, we've got one simple request. And in that request, what you hear is their tiredness as a nation, their, their tiredness as a people. I, I would imagine Solomon probably wasn't well liked by the people. I'm gonna, and I'm gonna share why. Uh, because Solomon lived very differently than the people. He lived in, op he lived in opulence, he had, he had riches, he had, he had servants, he had, food. he had all the things that many of the, the folks in the nation just didn't have. But what's amazing about this story is the people were communicating to King Rehoboam that they were speaking some truth to power. They were speaking truth to power in this moment. You say, why would you say this? Well, because here in the story, when you understand the 40-year reign of Solomon, a few things happened. One is they built the house of the Ark of the Covenant. And you say, wow, I've seen this in the scriptures. I might have learned about this in Sunday school, which you might not have learned is Solomon sacrificed 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep to celebrate the temple's construction. So even for those who weren't a part of the building process, farmers and, and those who were involved in agriculture had to also be on call because they had to help provide these animals for the sacrifice. He also built Solomon's palace. Uh, several cities were built. Uh, the Hall of Justice, the Hall of the forest of Lebanon, the porch of pillars. So all of these, these different places were built and the people of Israel had to be the ones to come in and actually do this. So, that, so they didn't hire people from other nations and say they, they didn't have contractors doing the work for them. This was all part of the, the, the Israelites. But then also Solomon made these treaties with other nations and he made covenants with polytheistic nations. And so he said, hey, I'll, I'll take... I'll take this woman on as a wife and, and so that we can form a, a, a partnership with each other. But then also, you know, we understand if we look at David's history, David was a fighter. He was a, he was a fighter. He was a go-getter. You know, he, he, slayed, he slayed giants. But if David was a fighter, Solomon was a peacemaker. And now Rehoboam is in a situation where he has to figure out who he wants to be as a leader. 
And so as these people are coming to him, they're asking him to literally lighten the load of what his father had done for these people. These people actually went to him and they literally spoke truth to power because in their heart of hearts, they wanted to follow him. You know, it's important that as believers in Christ, that we understand the voice that God has given us to really speak truth to power when we see injustice, when we see, when we see an abuse of leadership. And one of the things that's so important, especially now in the climate that we live in, is to have believers who are, who are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and their faith compels them to actually go into action. You know, last week, uh, Brian talked about uh, John Lewis and how John Lewis led from conviction and led from a, a place of, of honesty and led from a place of, of really caring for, for, for the, the, the disenfranchised, you know, caring for, you know, the black community to really have a voice, not only uh, in, in Georgia, but, but literally in Mississippi, but, but really all over the country. And, you know, I would just encourage you, if you've never learned even about some of the, the John Lewis's of Boston, there are many people who have actually paved the way in our city. You know, folks like Melania Cass. Melania Cass isn't just a street, but it was named after a woman who fought for, for civil rights. Uh, a man, Carlos Arroyo, uh, is another one who's a believer, who, who loves the city and has, has given his life to so much in here in Boston. Uh, Mel King, who recently passed away, uh, reading about him and his story and his legacy, I would just encourage you to just study some of these people because their, their, their impact on Boston has been tremendous. Or even uh, Reverend Michael Haynes of, of 12 Baptist Church, who was a, a friend of, of Martin Luther King, uh, just men and, and women who just served tired, tirelessly to really be a blessing to the city of Boston. And so when we think about this story in context, Rehoboam is faced with a decision. And so as we go back to the text, what does he say here? He said, go away for three days, then come again. And so the people went away. So as they went away, he is charged with thinking about how he wants to, to lead the nation. You know, will he listen to their request? Um, and, and, and how, and he's, he's, he's forced with a, a decision of even processing how he even wants to, to understand how to even uh, process what they've communicated to him. And so in verse 6, then Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer the people? Um, so Rehoboam spoke to the older men who, who helped his father and said, Help me, help me understand, like what's going on? What should I do? And they said to him, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them, what? When you answer them, they will be your servants forever. <sighs> powerful, powerful. You know, family, like the reality is that God often places people in your life to share not what you want to hear, but what you may need to hear. You may, in many of these times, you may not be mentally, emotionally, spiritually ready to hear them, but God has placed them in your lives for a reason. Who might that person be in your own life? Because right now, Rehoboam was faced with a decision 
of of listening to people and making a decision. Verse 8, but he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. Let's go a little further down in verse 10 because he asked them the same question. What should he do? And listen to what the, his friends said, his boys, his homies said. They said, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with what? With scorpions. Man. So now he listened to both of these pieces of insight, both groups that came to him. So if you were in Rehoboam's shoes, what would you have done? How would you have handled the situation? Think about that for a second. Because this, his decision had a tremendous impact upon the history of Israel for the next hundreds of years. Verse 12, so Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day. And as the king said, come to me again this third day. And it was there that Rehoboam communicated to the people what his friends told him to communicate. In verses 14, in verse 14. And so in verse 15, it says, so the king did not listen to the people for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke to Ahijah, the Shilonite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. So I wish I had time to unpack this story because I love it so much. But in verse, in chapter 11, Jeroboam is, has been uh, told that he will one day be the king of a divided nation, that he would be a king of a divided nation, that, but he didn't really know the details. And so because of this, he fled to Egypt because Solomon was not happy about this. And so that's where he stayed until Solomon died. And so when he came back to Israel, he is now in the midst of the people listening to the word that is being spoken. And so in verse 16, and when all Israel saw that the king did not listen, when they said that he did not listen, they said, what portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, look now to your own house, David. Woo. Basically, they were saying, we, we, we're out, peace. They're like, we're gone, deuces. Like the, 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 for, for anyone who's not a part of the tribe of David, which is Judah, like we're out. We're going we're gonna to form our own nation. So Israel went to their tents. And Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. And so it was here where, where the, the northern tribes kind of split off and went off and, and formed their own nation. And this was, this was literally family dysfunction. This was family dysfunction. And, you know, I know the reality of, of for, for some of us, we, we, we may have some family dysfunction we're dealing with right now. Probably because of COVID, you know, my wife and I, we have four kids and I'm having to deal with family dysfunction when my, my, my kids are arguing and, 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 
and, and not agreeing with each other. That's family dysfunction. But by God's grace, we have not done dealt with family dysfunction like what we see here in Scripture. You know, there are many different instances of family dysfunction. Like, for example, Adidas. Adidas uh, was started by two brothers. And the two brothers had been working together for many years. And if you've never heard the story, it's fascinating. But one of the brothers actually left and started Puma. And after that, they, they, they had a lot of conflict between companies, really bitter rivals as companies. But and both brothers were actually leading both companies, which is pretty fascinating. I wish I had time to get into that as well, but I don't. So let's keep moving. So in verse 18, King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was the taskmaster over the forced labor. So again, remember all the things I read earlier about what Solomon accomplished in his leadership? Well, this was the guy who actually did it. This was a guy who, who was in charge of making sure that the people accomplished what Solomon had been asking them to do. And so King Rehoboam said, you know what? I'm going to send him to go talk to the people. And what does it say in verse 18? This brother got stoned to death. They, they were so excited to see him. He got stoned to death that they were angry. And so King Rehoboam said, no, you know what? I want to live to fight another day. Peace out. I'm going to leave Shechem and I'm going to go back down to Jerusalem, which is in my territory. And so as, as, as this all happens, uh, Jeroboam was then made king over the northern kingdom. But when Rehoboam came back to Jerusalem, this brother was upset. He was angry. And he said, I'm going to get 180,000, verse 21, chosen warriors to fight against the house of Israel to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. He didn't say anything here about, you know, I want to restore them to having a place where we're, we're together because we worship God, because we're God's chosen people, because we are people who are, who are unified under the same, under the, the same faith. There was none of that. And so he says here, I want to get 180,000 people and we're going to go fight. What did Rehoboam know about fighting? Nothing. He knew nothing about fighting. He had never led anyone into battle. He had never done any of that. But yet he wants to go and fight against the northern tribe. And then long story short, verse 22, uh, the word of God came to Shemaiah, who was a, a prophet at the time. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, you shall not go up, in verse 24, and fight against your relatives, the people of Israel. Every man return to his home, for this thing is from me. So they listened to the word of the Lord and went home according to the word of the Lord. So here they are. They go back home. They actually listen to the Lord. And what's amazing to me is that there's no other place in this text, in the 24 verses that we just covered, where you see Rehoboam appealing to God or calling on God, or being, or even having a willingness to follow God. And so here, Rehoboam was given this bad advice, and he listened. <laughs> and so, and so what's, what's amazing is, is understanding that there are so many lessons that we can learn from Rehoboam's life, so much that we can learn from it. Because I believe that you can learn a lot in people who have done things well, but then you can also learn a lot with people who have actually made bad decisions, um, especially if it helps you to, to walk in a way that where you actually live 
and, and exhibit wisdom in how you make decisions. So I have three things that, that three takeaways that we can learn uh, from, from this story about Redbone. One is this, is don't allow your present perplexity to keep you from seeking the heart of God. Don't allow your present perplexity to keep you from seeking the heart of God. You know what? What's, what's fascinating to me is that when he's, when Jeroboam is, 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 and Rehoboam is having this conversation with uh, the older men and his friends, he never once said, how can I lead Israel with integrity and honor? How can I, how can I lead in such a way where God would be honored by my decision, by my, by my leadership? Why? Because he allowed his pride to cloud his better judgment. And when he made a bad decision, he didn't have any heart of sorrow or repentance actually coming out of it. So when he wanted to fight and, and the people were upset, even God gave him this moment to, to, to just to have a heart of repentance, to have a heart to say, you know what? I'm sorry. How can we reconcile based upon the decision that I've made? He didn't, he didn't seek that. And so I think the lesson for us to learn here that we hopefully don't do is that when we're going through challenges and when we're going through heartache is that we need to continue to seek the heart of God. We need to make time to be with God, to say, God, help me to hear from you. Lord, help me to, to enter into your presence so that I may hear your voice, so that I may respond in love, so that I may respond in grace, so that I may respond in humility to whatever situation I'm in. So whether it be with a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, that person driving on the street that just made you upset, so that you can respond in a godly fashion. That we need to make time to be with God. But then also we need to make time to be with people who hear from God. So because sometimes we go through these seasons where we feel like, man, I'm not hearing from God, maybe like I used to hear in the past. And when those times happen, we need to make sure that we're spending our time with people who can, who can go to God on our behalf, who can encourage us in the word, who can help remind us of who we are in Christ Jesus, that we're made in the image of God for his name's sake and for his glory alone. Rehoboam didn't do any of that. He didn't seek the prophet. He didn't, he didn't, that's the first thing he should have done is what? He should have prayed. <laughs> he should have spent time with the prophet and then gone to the old men because the old men, they were politicians. They were people who were, who, were, who were helping to instruct his father, but they were politicians. The first thing he should have done is go to God. Secondly, but, 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 but realize this, folks, is that we often make our worst decisions when God is not at the center of our emotions. And that's what happened with Rehoboam. Secondly, second point I wanted to make is this, is don't compromise your character to achieve what God never intended for you. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again. Don't compromise your character in order to achieve what God never intended for you. He misinterpreted the resources from God's kingdom for his own personal gain. He misinterpreted them as those are resources for me. So the money and the power and the influence and the prestige, he thought it was all about Rehoboam. Instead of thinking that this is what God has entrusted me as a way of really caring for the kingdom and or caring for Israel and caring for the people. And that's why it's important 
you know, for us as believers in Christ to recognize that just like the people of Israel, when they went to Rehoboam, it's to recognize that, that God has given us a voice to speak to authority. God has given us a voice to recognize that we live in a fallen world. But at the same time, God has, has, has given us a, a kingdom perspective as we see our example in Christ Jesus and how Christ came to, 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 to really give his life as a ransom for many. How he gave his life as an encouragement for others. And so it's when Rehoboam is, is, is in his moment of, of trying to make a decision, he wants to be known as a harsh leader instead of as someone who is full of integrity, who actually cares for people. And that's why it's easy to dismiss people that God has placed in your life to provide wisdom and to provide encouragement and to provide insight. Hmm. God wants us to walk in our integrity, friends. And he wants us to live in such a way where, he, well, where what he's entrusted to us can be used for his glory and can be used not only for the benefit of us, but can also be used for the benefit of other people as well. Thirdly, recognize that Jesus is the greatest example that we have in the history of this world of servant leadership. Recognize that Jesus is the greatest example that we've ever had of servant leadership. Rehoboam was literally the antithesis of Jesus. Jesus didn't come to earth to be served. He came to serve. He came literally to seek and save the lost, to be an example to the world of how you live with a kingdom perspective and a kingdom heart and kingdom motivation. Whose kingdom? God's kingdom. Jesus not only listened to the Father, but his every word was to, he came to do the will of the Father, to do the will of the Father. And that's why he, he came to this earth. So it wasn't just to listen, but it was a total dependency upon the will of the Father. And that's what God wants for us as well. Jesus said, it's not my will, but what? But thy will be done. And so the posture that Jesus wants each of us to have as Christ followers is to recognize that all that we have is his, that all that we have is to be used for his glory, that our abilities, our, our giftings, our relationships, our resources, that everything that we have is to be used for the service of other people. And so that's why our prayer and our posture should always be as followers of Christ. Is that Lord, when you allow me to, to, to enter into situations of challenge and of difficulty and of hardship, we need to say, God, help me to seek you with my whole heart. Help me, help my faith to not waver. Help me to believe the best in you and in others. God, help me to never give up on believing in the promises of God. Because that's the posture that God wants us to have, to rely on his wisdom and not our own. And so today, folks, you know, my encouragement is to learn from stories like Rehoboam, from people who made decisions that were often questionable so that we make decisions that actually honor and glorify the Lord. And so I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're conflicted by a certain decision. Maybe you're in a place right now where you're, you're thinking to yourself, what am I going to do tomorrow?
or even next week with a certain decision or even next month. My encouragement to you is to remain faithful to God's unchanging hand. Remain faithful to trusting in Christ and believing in his word and recognizing that one, that he will never leave you nor forsake you, but also recognizing that Jesus wants us to surrender everything unto him, surrender our, our emotions, to submit, surrender our affections, to surrender everything to him so that his glory will be revealed in us, so that your trust will be in him and in him alone to really give you the insight and wisdom that you need to make the decisions that will ultimately bring him glory. Friends, let's continue to trust God and believe in him to do great things. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your glory. Thank you for your power and your spirit. We thank Jesus for being just the greatest example of servant leadership that this world has ever seen, this world has ever known or will know. And so Father, help us to turn to you when we feel like we're, we're going like we're going and we feel like we're, we're, we're getting ready to compromise our character to possess what you've never intended for us. Jesus, thank you for your word. And I pray that you would help us to live faithfully according to your will. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.